This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone! On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Ah, the beauty of terrestrial radio, man. You'll have some conversations with people just, they, and then all of a sudden you're in radio mode. <laughs> but anyway, what's up, Double D? How, How you are doing? You? Here we go again. Well, Coming you know, down our last three shows, Pat. Well, and of know, course, even though it's not snowing yet, it will be because it's Tigers Talk Night. Oh, every we time can, we do we, it. We can yeah. move around every night of the week. It doesn't matter. I guarantee you next Friday when we do our next show, there'll be snow. Well, I can tell you this from personal experience, <laughs> that um, if you were to look at the uh, months where there's the most snow, uh, those are the exact weeks that we do Tiger Talk. <laughs> you know, from the first week of January to, like, middle of February, there's lots of snow. And then the last show, just in case you didn't know, I will be reporting from Florida and joining you from Lakeland, where I did notice it's uh, 78, 81, 83, 84, something like that over the next few days. So I'll be able to report how it is down there on that final show on the 21st. Well, you know, I'd, I'd say this to, to people that are out there. Uh, if you haven't been to Lakeland, go. You know, it's the experience of your life. You know, Joker Martin Stadium, and they've fixed it up. It's beautiful. Uh, it always has been an idyllic place. And Lakeland is a wonderful city to go to visit. Uh, and, you know, look, it's ideally located between Orlando and Tampa from that standpoint. But trust me on this, Lakeland will grow on you, and so will the baseball experience of, of going there. And they've made it an experience. They really have. I mean, I loved it when they redid it in the early 2000s, and they put the Berman left field, great field to it, and they've just made it that much better with the with the changes that they've made, take out the old, old ugly grandstands and made it a little more uniform down the left field line, and you can walk around the whole ballpark and, uh, and look at the game from right field, center field, left field, or, or your seat, wherever you are. It's uh, it's a terrific layout. They did a great job on the redo. Well, they kind of uh, incorporated the old and the new. You still sense the, the tradition of it. And, and for those who are really into prospects and things, you know, late March is the time to go down there because you go over to the minor league fields, you'll see a lot of things that you, if you're really in the You base, can actually look out on the minor league fields from, if you go out to center field, you can look back over the other way and you're looking over the minor league fields. It's right. pretty pretty neat layout. So it, it is uh, one of the uh, great experiences you'll ever have. It's a lot different than like when we were kids. And I, I remember uh, it'd be like Ray Lane or uh, whoever would be down there uh, from other uh, television stations. Ray, of course, was the play-by-play. He had your uh, spot uh, with Ernie mm-hmm. uh, when we were kids. Five years, I want to say. But he was, like, on Channel 2, and uh, they would be interviewing, like, Bill Freehand or something from Lakeland. You see the palm trees there out uh, Lake Parker, and, uh, you know, it was very barren in the background. Uh, not anymore. So, <laughs> Or the old baseball cards with just the grandstand there. 
uh, from the 60s. Remember those? The kid, we oh, yeah. Kids. That's when they took all the baseball card pictures. That's right. It would, it would take a minute. So you go, hey, you know, I, you can always tell what year it is to me. Like if I look at old baseball cards, I don't have baseball cards, but I look at them on the Internet uh, sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I can tell whether it was at Henley Field that they took the picture or Marchant Stadium. Because Henley Field is unique. You know, it's a... Uh, it's just like a grandstand, you know. It's a, they played last year. Yes. Uh, or the year before. When yes, where Christian Stewart hit a lot of, a lot more home runs there than he might have at Joker March. Yes. A little harder to, to knock the ball out of Joker March and Stadium than most of the uh, uh, fields that are in uh, Florida. So, But anyway. So what do we got today, Pat? Well, one of the things I'd like to talk about, Daniel Norris will join us at 745, Tigers pitcher. Uh, looking to get on a bounce back trail, and I think for one, think he is going to bounce back this year. I've talked a lot about that, and uh, he'll join us at 7:45. And also, we're going to project uh, some of the players to the best of our ability, to the best of our ability uh, that have track records in the major leagues that are on the Tigers. You know, what type of year uh, do you expect from Miguel Cabrera? So, we'll put it out there for our listeners. Uh, 248-539-9797, what numbers would you have for Miggy? And we'll keep it simple. We'll go batting average, even though it's a little too old school for us. It'll be, a, yeah, it'll still be an indicator of what kind of year he has. Batting average, home runs, RBIs, and we'll go with OPS. All right? If you want to throw a war in there, we're not going to stop you. <laughs> what will Miggy's war be? And uh, we'll go that with Nick Castellanos. Uh, we'll go that with Michael Fulmer. We'll go that with James McCann. We'll go that with Jose Iglesias. We'll go that with Jordan Zimmerman. People don't talk about Jordan Zimmerman at all, but Jordan Zimmerman does have a pretty good track record in the major league. He didn't have a very good year for the Tigers. Right up until the time he joined the Tigers. Oh, uh, and then we'll go with that with Shane Green, because Shane Green is uh, going to be the right. Tigers' closer. So, and then we'll go with that with Jose Iglesias. And if you want to take it another way, I mean, you could look at what is, I mean, because this, if there's one time of year you can be optimistic, it's when pitchers and catchers report, right? Go ahead and be doom and gloom later. But if there's one time of year you are allowed, even if you're a fan of the, say, Twins last year going into a season after they'd won 59 the year before, this is why I like this exercise. What's the upside of each unit, meaning starting pitching, bullpen, lineup for run scoring? For the Tigers this year. In other words, what's the best-case scenario? Which leads you to what are the possibilities for this team? We're seeing predictions come out. ESPN, I saw, or USA Today, was uh, basically said they lost 98 last year, put down 99-plus this year. They had 99 this year. Yeah, 99-plus. And that's a little less scientific. Yeah, every, every, every prediction I've seen has the Tigers in last place in the American League Central. I'm not so sure that'll happen. Fangraphs does it. A much more scientific, that's more opinion-based. This is more scientific-based. Fangraphs does the computer models. They've got the Tigers at 70 wins. Interestingly to me, because it's a reminder, I think, of how wide open the Central is after the Cleveland Indians, Kansas City and Chicago below the Tigers was 69 and 67 win, or 65 wins for the White Sox. The team that everybody says is doing the best job of rebuilding right. picked last by the computer models on Fangraphs, as you project. So anyway, that's how you... Try to project a season. What's the upside for this team? What are the likelihood of that happening? Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text is at nine seven one three six. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Now we got open lines, and we're here for you talking every week about baseball. I know a lot of baseball fans out there, purists, well, just anybody. I mean, there's a lot of general interest in baseball. So give us a call. Dan and I are here to talk to you. Whatever's on your mind. 
Also, you know, what are your projections for these different players? Because ultimately, and Victor Martinez is another one, what will it mean for the Tigers this year in terms of wins and losses? Will be that. Dan are a little more optimistic than that. I think we've got them in the mid-70s for wins. I don't think they're going to be the uh, absolute train wreck uh, that no. people are expecting. You know, I don't think it's going to be like 2003. No. Um, I think they've got a little bit too much talent for that to happen, uh, that if bounce back a little bit, uh, they'll be a lot better. So what are your thoughts? Also, the big story in the offseason, and Tony Clark, the former Tiger, now heads the Players Association, has complained one, two, three times. Scott Boros, who a lot of people are familiar with because he had a lot of Tiger clients and was at various uh, news conferences when those clients sure. were introduced. Uh, one time, Mike Gillett said, he knows more about our team than I have. You know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the late Mike Gillett said that once. It's a true story about Scott Boros. He's complaining. A lot of agents are complaining. J.D. Martinez is still out there. Eric Cosmer is still out Eight there. Eight of the top ten free agents, arguably, are still out there. This is unprecedented. So, in its you know, spring training starts next week. So, what are your thoughts? Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. The C word collusion is coming up again, and uh, I've started at this as a baseball writer at the Oakland Press. Uh, to remember covering that, Jack Morris walking around with his fur coat, all those different things. Jack, of course, elected the Hall of Fame now. But uh, I remember that very well. Uh, Gibby only got a, a, a two-year, $3 million contract offer from the Tigers. It's a true story. And then went to the Dodgers for, I think it was three years and $4 million, uh, back in 88 and then won the World Series. But those guys got a big settlement led by Doyle Because Alexander. there was proof there was collusion. There was proof there was collusion. I don't believe it is collusion. This I don't time. either. I think there are a lot of factors at work. And again, I would refer anybody to now two really good articles by Jeff Passon at Yahoo. There have been many writing, but I just think Jeff has really kind of nailed it because it's, it is complicated. And I do think there's a certain amount of group thing going on after they see GMC, Astros, Cubs lose, basically try to lose for a few years while rebuilding and then win World Series. Uh, I do think there's a certain amount of groupthink. I do think it's a weird market in that if you'd had just a couple of different things happen, I think maybe this market might have taken off. Eric Hosmer turned down a seven-year, $147 million deal from Kansas City. Uh, J.D. Because Martinez he wants nine years. It's How turned realistic down reportedly five years, $125 right. million from the Red Sox. What if, he had signed, what if Hosmer had signed that contract? It might have gotten things rolling. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. What do you think about all that? Dan and I will start throwing our projections for Tiger players uh, coming up. Miggy's next. back, and uh, now we'll start out with Miggy <laughs> and uh, seven forty five. Daniel Norris, Tigers lefty, will join us. This is uh, Tiger Talk here on ninety seven one. The ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio ninety seven one. The ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Okay, time to put Dale, Double D Dan Dickerson on this. Yes, he's got a lot of papers. He's looking over stuff. He's got his baseball forecaster out, waiting for baseball prospectus <laughs> to arrive. The magazines all came out this week. Yeah, my baseball prospectus isn't coming out to tomorrow. They keep saying that on my iPad. People, but if you want to like see a guy who's just got a sad, sad little face, Pat wanted his baseball prospectus so bad today, and it just. <laughs> It would not show up on his iPad. It's not supposed to First come of all, until the Sometimes the they put it early. you got to get the paper edition. No, no. Come on. you got to highlight. you got to mark it up. you got to be 
Well, the there's, there's a point to that. <laughs> but I get all this stuff. From Very Pat. sad Pat Caputo because the release date is the ninth Pat, and you can't get it before then. I live in the one uh, shop stopping, <laughs> one stop shopping world now, which is my my iPad. But anyway, uh, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Miggy, what are his numbers going to be? All right, I got him over three hundred, over three ten. Let's put it three uh, ten, over three ten, over thirty home runs. RBIs, I think, are a little tricky because I just don't know how good this offense is going to be. Let's say 100 RBIs, but more importantly, OPS back over, are you ready? 950. So Miggy's back, and that's my prediction. That's a full Miggy's back. If you're over 950 OPS, you're back. Well, he was at 730 last year. I think Miggy will hit a lot better. I think he'll be healthier, you know, things like that. I, I saw a thing in video where he put on his website where he's doing his workouts. Hey, looks like he's looking pretty good. But I'll say <laughs> There's this. There's nothing better than the stories about workouts at this time of year. Yeah, there are. But I'll say this. Uh, he's 35. So I, I tend to have more realistic view on the age. You're saying like, mine's not realistic. Well, no, no, no. I think it is realistic. He could do better than what you said. I mean, there are players that have done that. And he's, he's Miggy. But I'm going you know, to go, I don't know realistic would be the word, but I'm going to go 28 by home runs. He hasn't hit a lot of home runs in recent years. I go twenty eight home runs. Thirty eight two years ago. I'm gonna go twenty eight, and I'm gonna have him at a hundred and three RBI. I'm gonna have him over hundred RBI, and I'm gonna have him hitting two ninety, and his OPS eight thirty. Ooh, all right. That's what I think. I don't Let's think Miggy, I don't down. think I don't think Miggy's going to, you know, soar back to MVP caliber. Miggy, I think he's he's gonna have a solid year. I think this this is the year that tells it. I think he's either back fully or or it's a problem for six more years. Well, I think this is the year that tells it. In other words, will that back hold up? Could he figure out a, a workout routine as Brad Osmus did, as David Ortiz did, with a disc problem in his back to get back to the levels that uh, the Tiger fans expect? The other thing is, I think Gardy will rest him more. Probably. You know, I think DH more. Do. I don't think he likes DHing. The numbers certainly would suggest he doesn't like it, but I think you're right, and I think he has to. Yeah, so I, I'll go, you know, I'll stick with that I'll, because it's fairly conservative, um, but I, that's what I think he'll do. Now, right. if he does even better than what you say, I wouldn't shock me. No. But that's what I have it uh, for uh, Miggy in 2018. Richard, you're on 97, won the ticket, and Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Hi, how are you? Hi, Dan. Hi, Both Richard. I got a question. I got three questions. Um, no, I'll give you a, a synopsis though on uh, uh, Miggy. I think he'll bat three thirty-two, and he's going to have at least uh, thirty-one home runs. All right, I like it. <laughs> Could be. And I think the Tigers are going to uh, win eighty-six games this year. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know why, but I got a good feeling about it. All right. Uh, and then the other question, or one question. Um, yes. Do you feel that? That uh, the players that they've signed is in, are they are they for more defense? The guys they have signed, and if not, uh, do you think they'll they'll may go into the uh, free agent? And I'll hang up and listen to you guys if you don't mind. All right. Uh, depending on which guys you're talking about, because I mean the, the guys they've signed, the, the signings have been relatively quiet. Ryan Carpenter to me is kind of an intriguing under the radar type right. of guy, but Mike Fires, it's Leonis Martin. Um, it's not a lot of big signings. I think the guys coming up who may get a chance to play in position player-wise this year, I mean, it, it's probably more defense. Martin certainly has a defensive reputation. 
if Jacoby Jones gets playing time this year, he has to hit more, but it's going to be because of his defense. Um, I, I'm just intrigued. Chris McCoskey wrote a pretty good <laughs> story the other day. I'm intrigued by all the names and possibilities for the bullpen. It's an astounding array of guys. And the one thing I will say is every year there's a bullpen that surprises with no-name guys. That's right. And Chris Bozzi has something to work with with some of these arms. Some of the guys can't throw it in the ocean. Right. <laughs> but have power arms. Oh, it's, uh, it's intriguing. That's uh, you know that's. Uh, but right now, to me, Patty, you mentioned free agents. It does seem like you're going. There are bargains that are going to be out there. It just seems like there are going to be some veteran guys out there who can help this team. But that Al, will Al, cost Al, you Al, next Al, to nothing. Vila, the Tigers' general manager, he, he doesn't really seem to have any interest at all. In Zero, it Zero. appears. But it yeah. does seem like you might be foolish not to at least consider some veteran arms to help a bullpen if they're out there for next to nothing. You know, I think uh, I think I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think. I don't so. think you know. There's different ways to look at value, at value of contract. No, I understand exactly the Just value of contract. This is an unusual year for bargains. You get, I think you'll you see another one like it. You know, I mean, look what Todd Frazier signed with for the Mets. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you know, this is a guy that. I mean, he's under ten million dollar a year player now. Uh, There's no way He's a couple a, of years ago that way. Right, happen. three, four war player. That those guys don't usually go for cheap. Yeah, you know, and they used to say, you know, I mean, you always look at war. What is the value of one point of war? I mean, I always thought it's different that he, team to team, but it's roughly what six to eight million dollars. That's according to Nate Silver. You know, it's like over seven. So it depends on who you look at, but it's it's always been uh, every one of the uh, models that I've seen has always been over five. Right. So, you know, for Todd Frazier to get that type of contract tells you how it's tightening up. And uh, if I were J.D. Martinez, and he, he were indeed offered five years and $125 million, it. I would take it. Because, you know, he is not a war warrior, you know, <laughs> so to say. You know, good way of putting it. He's it, not. His defense drags his overall value down. Very much so. That's why he didn't have much trade value when the Tigers were shopping him around last winter. Uh, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Fred, you're on ninety seven one. The ticket Tiger Talk. What's up? Hey guys, how you doing tonight? Hey, how are you? Good, good. Hey Dan, long time listener. Love listening to uh, to the Tigers and listening to you and Jim on the radio. And uh, love the good work. Appreciate um, it. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, the other thing, uh, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not a real big um, Twins fan, so I don't, I'm not really sure, you know, what to expect from Garden Hire. What kind of management style, and uh, what do you think we can expect? You know, uh, any kind of difference between him and uh, you know what we have with Brad? And uh, I'll take your answer off air. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Fred. Prefer to, prefer to talk to you, but that's cool. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Stay in chat next time, Fred. Yeah, stay in chat. I think the two very different managers, and it's a lot about personality. And I think sometimes there's a certain personality that allows you to connect with players more, maybe helping you get more out of them. I think Ron Gardenhire has that. I think the great managers do. They figure out ways to reach their guys because a lot of the messages are same team to team, but Ron Gardenhire is going to emphasize certain things. And I think it's how you emphasize it, how often you emphasize it, how much you pay attention to detail that makes a difference in terms of whether it's actually going to be executed on the field that way. Ron Gardenhire's Minnesota teams had a certain way of playing. And I think it's going to, whatever the win total is this year, you're going to see with the Tigers. They don't give away 90 feet. They try to take 90 feet. I think the good managers do that. I think Francona and Madden are the two best. I think Joe Madden doesn't have many rules, but it's respect 90 feet is his one rule that is in, you can't violate that rule. 
And what that means is everything that flows from that. You don't miss a cutoff man. You pay attention when you can go first to third or second to home on a single because you knew where the ball was hit and what kind of arm the guy had all before the ball was hit. And you're paying attention to every 90 feet. And it results in a certain style of play. It's a crisp style of play. It's a good style of play. It keeps you in games and allows you sometimes, and look at his teams in Minnesota, it allows you to get more out of teams than maybe you had. Well, it's kind of a metrics view from a guy who doesn't preach metrics or hasn't in the past, but that is very true, and it's cost the Tigers uh, the last decade, I think, very much. Tigers team defense has been terrible for years now. The 90 feet defense rule. is abysmal, base run, base abysmal, as measured by Baseball Info Solutions' Bill James Handbook. Yeah. It really, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I just don't think you'll see that because they'll figure out a way to make sure that when you work on it, it's working out in a way that's going to make you better fielding your position. He's Dan Dickerson on PAC. Caputo, 248-539-9797 is the phone number at 745. Daniel Norris will join us. Till then, we'll take your phone calls. It's Tiger Talk, a 97-1 the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. 248-539-9797. Dan's bringing up an interesting point there. You know, talking about uh, Daniel Stump is not a big physical guy, but he throws real well, major leaguer. He actually helped them in the bullpen. He was a fine for the Tigers last year, I thought. He really was a rule five pick who... uh, because he'd been taking the Rule 5 draft twice, he could afford to actually go. When the Tigers returned him, uh, he could decide where he wanted to go, and he came to the Tigers, and I thought he did, a, he did a fine job. He's kind of intriguing because first full year in the major leagues, he did a nice job. Yeah, he did. And I, then all the bullpen, you know, uh, they have uh, Shane Green. Uh, Jimenez, you know, had a bad year last year, and I know let's people talk about, are Let's said, talk about Jimenez. Yes. There have been very few relievers who have come up with the dominance that he showed at every single level right. and didn't succeed to at least a degree at the major league level. He, he didn't succeed in any way, shape, or form. No. Uh, there are some reasons behind that. I, I mean, it feels like he needed to lose weight, be better mechanics, whatever it is. It's a combination of all the above. What do you think? I just don't well, think well, you can be I that dominant at every level I, look, and I not watch, do something. I watch a kid. I watch every one of his outings the last two years, uh, except for the ones in Lakeland because they're not available. Um, so I know, you know, what he is. Uh, he, he was throwing 97, 98 Easy, miles an hour right? in Double A uh, with movement in the high downward plane that broke across. So uh, for some reason, and, and you did that in the World Baseball. You class. did not see that. I, th- I think the World Baseball Classic set him back. I think you know he had he went you know right away to 100 miles an hour there, not 100 miles an hour throwing, but right. uh, in terms of yeah. preparation. Then all of a sudden, you know, and he, and he wasn't throwing as regularly, and they ended up with the silver medal, and he was their top setup man. So he wasn't too bad in the World Baseball Classic. He was very good, and then when he had the 16 games uh, where he didn't allow a run, he was throwing 93. To 95, and he threw 93 to 95. He hardly gave up any home runs in the minor leagues. In the major leagues, they just clocked that stuff. They just send it out. Even mediocre major league hitters were, were clocking him. So if his velocity doesn't come back in his late movement, he won't be effective. It doesn't matter how much weight right. he loses. You want to see velocity more than anything this spring. Yeah, and I don't know if they were tinkering too much with his slider or whatever. And he knew he had to lose weight. I mean, that was not a. Yeah, he did. He, you know, he's getting up there a little bit too much. 
I think they tinkered a little bit too much with uh, him in his motion because he'd bring his foot back and then come forward. He started doing that less. So when sometimes when they tinker with guys, they lose what they do well. So they got to be careful with that. I saw that happen with Nate Corneo back in the day. He comes up, the pitching coach at the time uh, said, hey, you can't hold your breaking ball like that. I'm like, that is, you know, and then he never got it back. Never. So in the, in the throwing arm is a mystery. You don't know why all of a sudden guys will lose it a little bit. That's why it's concerning about Manning losing his velocity a little bit. Now, that may be it was just out for the first time and, you know, really stretched out, but you've always got to watch that. You don't know why Zamaya all of a sudden got a fastball and he didn't have one to the same degree before. one thing you want to watch this spring. Velocity. The radar gun goes on and off in Lakeland, but if it's on, you want to see velocity. There's two things. I think there's one guy who can help this bullpen, and the the biggest help in this bullpen could be from one guy, and that's Joey Menez. Joey Menez, if he throws like he did two years ago when I was screaming for them to bring him up, uh, he will help them a great deal. If he throws like he did uh, after the World Baseball Classic last year, especially the second half of the year, even when he was getting outs in Toledo, he will not be effective. You cannot throw 93 miles an hour. As a power pitch. Unless you have a wipeout slider, which he does not. He'll never have a wipeout slider that will get him beyond that point. That's the other thing. Get his fastball right and everything else will fall into place for Jimenez. He's got a pretty good feel, actually, for pitching. And the comparison to Ron Doan is not the same. He no, it's a not. very different uh, personality than Bruce Ryan. This kid will work hard. Uh, he's a very nice, he's a, he's a good kid. So Rondone's got some issues. Yes, you know, he does. And he always issues. saw his fastball. It was clear the hitters always saw his fastball. Yes. 100 that never blew people away. You know, but if you want to see what uh, he's capable of, uh, Jimenez, look at it when he pitched against Clint Frazier when he was in double. He just blew Clint Frazier right out. But when Clint Frazier couldn't pick him up, all those things. And the Tigers got to understand that that deception, when he turned his back, was part of the ball coming out late and looking. I talked to Al about that. But, what you know, pitching coaches – they're always looking for fundamental things to help guys, so I'm not blaming them, and I'm not saying right. uh, there's a mystery of the arm and everything. But, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll own it. I thought the guy should have been up, and I'll well, you know, accept everybody giving me a hard you time. Know, you didn't know he was throwing 93. Uh, I did know he was throwing 93 <laughs> when he was throwing those. I think I said I watched every one of his yeah, outings. that's true. Very different. But you can get AAA guys out. You can't do that in the big leagues. Steve, you're on. Tiger Talk at 97 won the ticket. What's up? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Hey, a couple questions. One, uh, who do you think the Tigers' MVP is going to be? Who do you think their Rookie of the Year is going to be? And then also, just in general baseball, can you give me a couple guys um, throughout the league rookies to watch that uh, might, uh, you know, take the Rookie of the Year? Well, I like this kid from the Orioles, Austin Hayes. Watch him. Uh, they got, you know, Chan Sisko, a catcher. Uh, and also, of course, Makata. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? The the, the guy that uh, the Red Sox traded, the White Sox, uh, Jan. Oh, Mankata? Yeah. Uh, so those would be a couple guys that I would look at uh, definitely to be uh, top. How about Otani? Otani, well, that, I, I don't know about Otani. You know, you put it in that category, He's he should be the guy. Right. I mean, you got it's like each saying Ichiro was the the rookie of the year, yeah. which he was. No, he's, he, this guy's but, younger; he's like twenty two. But no, yeah. but I'm just saying he's an established major leaguer. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's the best player in Japan. He might be the best player in the major leagues. He might be the best pitcher and hitter. That's how good he is. So yeah, Otani for sure. Otani uh, plays. He's going to play for the Angels. So 
there's a guy for yeah. you that you will see that uh, everybody will be talking about. I can't believe people aren't talking about him more going into the – you want to get excited about baseball. Otani. Otani somebody yeah. to get excited about baseball. about. Kurt, you're on Tiger Talk on 97-1 The Ticket. What's up, Kurt? Hey, good evening, guys. How yes. you doing? Good. How are you? I'm excited to be talking baseball with about seven inches of snow on its way. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, I just want to say thanks. You know, Pat, as far as all the regular radio personalities that we have an opportunity to listen to, you're by far the most knowledgeable when it comes to baseball. And, uh, Dan, I, I don't think there's anybody better doing play-by-play for any ball club in the major leagues. So well, we're very lucky to have both of you guys here in Detroit. Well, that's great, man. I hope nobody knows about that steak dinner we just bought you. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, here's my question. Look, you know, obviously there's a different approach towards how they want to accomplish success with the organization. Um, they had to blow it up at some point. With bringing Garden Hire in and his ability to win with lower budgets, like he did in Minnesota, do you think that's something that we'll be modeling going forward and trying to maintain that lower budget? Or do you think eventually they'll get to a point where as soon as they're competitive, with the Illich family's history, they might be willing to pulse on some purse strings and bring in some big-time free agents to get them over the hump to eventually – Win. Well, I can only tell you what, uh, you know, I've talked to Al Avila about this uh, on a couple of occasions. The, the, the people think the tires are going to be cheap forever, that type of thing. That's, you know, no. The plan is to get a nucleus and to build a nucleus and then, you know, spend money wise, you know, when it, it can put you in, the, in a spot where it matters. Not throwing good money after bad, but, and they're not expecting like, oh, they want some 10 year rebuild or something. They, they expect it to happen a little bit quicker, uh, certainly not a dozen years like the last time it happened. You know? <laughs> I think I think the, the, in the end, though, the, the 200 days of the $200 million payroll are gone. I think even 180 is probably too high for this market. I mean, it, to me, they cut, they've cut it back to 135-ish. That's a $70 million drop. Probably going to drop a little more in the years ahead. And then you add the free agent or two, but you had 150, 160, it seems to me. It just, I mean, that's kind of my gut feeling versus the, the 190, 200 plus. They, they may, there, there may be a point where they really they will fall add. out. They're, they're not, they're, their plan isn't to just uh, not spend money for the sake of not spending money. Right. They plan, they plan right. on using this as a, as a springboard to something that they hope leads to a championship. And that mean, it, it, when you look at it, they got the perfect skipper to be able to execute on that strategy um, with what he was able to do in Minnesota. I was disappointed when they didn't hire him and they hired Brad Osmus. I thought Remember that, with, those, where that club those was, that too. they would go ahead. I'm sorry. They already had Brad for a year when Garden Hire was let go. Either way, I would have loved it. You know, <laughs> you, you give a veteran team to a veteran manager. But my point is, if Minnesota would have ever been willing to really pull the purse strings, and give them those one or two guys to get them over the hump. Perhaps they beat the Yankees in the playoffs, and and they go on to bigger and uh, and greener pastures. 
Uh, you I, could you could see it uh, happening at some point. But I appreciate the phone calls. Coming up next, we'll talk to Daniel Norris, Tigers pitcher. 97 won the ticket, Tiger Talk. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. Well, it's great to be here tonight. Uh, we'd love the uh, conversation with you all. And uh, now we're joined by uh, somebody who uh, was acquired from the Tiger by the Tigers a couple years ago from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays organization, uh, and a left-hander is looking forward to this year, and uh, hopefully good health. It's uh, Daniel Norris. What's up, Daniel? How are you tonight? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. How are things in Tennessee? I'm actually down in Florida already. Oh, you're down in Florida. Your pitches and catches yeah. report Wednesday. You're there. I'm I'm here. I've been here for a little over a week or so. So are you fired up to get going? Oh yeah, can't wait. <laughs> Dan, there, Cannot wait. Daniel, there've been some good stories written uh, about you. Uh, I think they're always good because you're you're an interesting person. You think about things a lot. It sounded like last year was a combination, not just uh, on the physical side, but the mental side, and you wanted to change things up. And it sounded like you committed yourself to that. A, a big off season for you, going into 2018. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely did, and um, you know, full disclosure, my, every off season of my career has been, um, I've never taken any days off as far as like right after a season, I get right into my workouts and feel like I, I work harder than I than I did the day before. You know, I'm always working hard, but I think going into this off season, I realized that working hard isn't necessarily better than working smart, and so that's one reason I went out to California to, I mean, really just kind of understand my body more. Um, like I said, it, it wasn't, it's not hard to go in the gym and, and work out and work hard and get big and strong, but paying attention to detail and trying to, you know, understand your body and the way that it moves, that takes a lot more um, effort than just going there and working out. And so that's what I did this off season. And you feel like it's made, you can already tell the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I could tell, honestly, within the first week out there working with those guys and just understanding where some of these injuries could probably have come from and how to prevent it and stuff. And I mean, heck, with technology these days, it'll blow your mind. And <laughs> I'm just glad that, you know, it was an investment in myself and I knew that I needed to do that. Well, Daniel, certainly uh, you've shown uh, when it comes down, you get a good fastball. You know, it's a plus pitch for you. You've got the makings of good breaking pitch, a thrown that you can throw a change. You can throw pretty much everything. And you're athletic. So, you know, I mean, when you look at all these different factors, you have all those things going for you. And you've had uh, moments in the major leagues, um, a few of them, where you've had success. It, 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 there's a point, you know, where you're kind of waiting for, you know, f- for you to emerge. And I would imagine last year was a year where maybe you thought that that would happen, and you actually took a step back statistically. But is this the year where you possibly can emerge? Because I don't think anybody who's seen you pitch would doubt that you have the tools to be able to be an effective major league starter. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think going into last year, um, I did expect to just at the very least continue moving forward. Uh, you know, as you said, and, and unfortunately, it just it just wasn't happening. You know, and I think the harder I tried, the worse I did. And 
you know, trying to get through those injuries was, you know, kind of took up my whole season. And so, uh, yeah, very frustrated. Um, but going into this year, you know, I, I do feel confident. Um, I mean, the bottom line is this, every pitching coach I've ever had, they've all said the same thing. You know, they've said your stuff, you can't, you're not going to make your stuff any better. You know, it's already more than good enough. You just have to use it better and use it in the right times and throw strikes with it. And so that for me is, is definitely my focus. And, um, but, you know, like you alluded to, it's just a, the stuff's there and, and I know that I have the ability. It's just a matter of, you know, going out there and executing pitches and, and just doing it consistently. Yeah, you know, I think of all the pitchers, you know, I don't know, if you, I'm sure there's all kinds of, we all watch a lot of baseball and do things in, in what we do, Dan and I and our, in the media, but I, you throw a lot of pitches that are borderline strikes. And they're, they're balls. They, the umpires in the major leagues are really good when they put that little box in there. But that, that little bit on just, if you that, that pitch was on that border, instead of just off, especially early in the count, it would make all the difference in the world, that little bit of command. Um, how do you, but how do you improve command? Is it about, uh, you know, uh, delivery points? I'm sure pitching coaches, arm angle. How do you improve that command just a little bit? Because you don't miss by a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, and I do disagree with you. I, I agree with <laughs> you that to be successful, you have to get ahead. And I agree with you in that aspect, and that's something that I have to do. What I disagree with you on is that I don't miss by a lot because sometimes that I do miss by a lot. Okay. And so I, that's where I have to, the, the big misses, that's where I have to, elim- I have to eliminate those. Okay. I think if I get ahead with strike one and I, you know, get ahead with strike one, I'm ahead. And then instead of going from Oh one to one, one, you know, if I go from Oh one to one, one, but it's with a close miss, I can live with that, but if I'm throwing the ball seven feet high and that's when you go to one one, the batter's thinking, Well, this guy has no idea where the ball's going. I'm gonna make him throw you know, make him throw strikes and then so but when I miss close, they're thinking, Oh, it's a close pitch, I gotta be ready for the next one and then okay. that's when they're in swing mode, if, if that makes sense. And that's Oh, no, it does. It makes perfect I, sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I have to be better at is just minimizing my misses. I mean, I'm not going to throw 100 strikes out of 100 pitches, but, I mean, heck, I'd love to, but the reality is that that's not going to happen. So when I do miss, like like you said, and I appreciate you saying that, you know, that I'm missing, you know, close, but the big misses is what I have to eliminate. And do you feel like you're, I mean, just with the changes you've made physically, that that, that should come this year? I do, and those, I think, are both physically and mentally. You know, a lot of times the big misses are, can also, not only a fastball high, but they can also be those curveballs that are right in front of the plate. And that, the bottom line with that is just trying to make it too nasty. And for me, is with curveballs and sliders, if it is a chase pitch, it doesn't have to be better than any, any of the pitches that got you, got you to that point. And that's where I start wasting pitches and missing a lot. And so that's that's just a kind of a mental approach is, is, you know, hammering that down. This is the time of year to be optimistic. Daniel, what gets you excited about 2018? Well, it's a new year. It's a new opportunity. It's, we get to play baseball. Um, when I was up there at FanFest, you know, I think a lot of the media and a lot of people were like, well, you're not, you guys aren't supposed to be good. <laughs> How do you feel about that? And I mean, for me, it's, 
it's easy to say this, but the reality is we go out there 162 times and we lace our spikes up 162 times. And if we win more than we lose, then, you know, that's successful. And I, every team has the same opportunity. Um, that's the way we got to look at it and go out there and, and fight. And, um, you know, I mean, we're young, you know, we're young. We're all, we're all very willing and able to go out there and play and play hard. So I don't, I don't see why not. Daniel, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you this coming season. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, I appreciate your guys' insight. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. See you in a couple of weeks. See you guys. That was uh, Daniel Norris, the Tigers pitcher. Coming up next, it'll be uh, Pistons Weekly with Kyle Bogey, and then I'll be back and Cal join me. We got uh, Inside Hockey Town. But, Andy, Dan, enjoyed it. Talk to you next week. Uh, so 97 won the ticket. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.